You are locked in to the Pick 6 podcast from CBS Sports. We cover all the NFL news, and we talk with some newsbreakers along the way. And that's what we're going to do today when NFL on CBS sideline reporter Tracy Wolfson joins us. I'm Dave Richard. Appreciate you downloading and subscribing and listening. Uh, we'll get to Tracy in just a moment, but first let's go over what's been happening in the world of the National Football League. We begin in Baltimore, where the Ravens will forfeit two organized team activity practices on June 7th and 8th, and both the club and head coach John Harbaugh have been fined under the collective bargaining agreement for a violation of the off-season workout rules. And reading between the lines of a statement that the Ravens gave from Ozzie Newsom and from John Harbaugh, it looks like one of their rookies might have uh, been a little more physical, um, than, than they probably should have been, or certainly outside of the rules. Ozzie Newsom mentioned, quote, sometimes breaking old practice habits of these players, especially rookies, takes more repetitions. So someone did something that wasn't allowed, and it, 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 it takes me back to these rules that the NFL, uh, as part of the CBA, has for these off-season practices. I think there should be a little bit more physical contact allowed. The NFL is a physical game. These guys are putting their bodies on the line. I, I don't think that coaches or players get as much out of it if they're running around in, in jerseys and shorts and helmets with no pads and they're not allowed to touch and there's no press coverage allowed. I'm not saying that they should be allowed to have a full-on scrimmage with pads and all that, but th- there should be a little bit more contact allowed. I think that would help the coaches out. I think the players would have more bumps and bruises, but you can't make the argument that there would be more injuries. We just saw Hunter Henry tear his ACL, and that was in a non-contact practice. So I'd I'd like to see the NFL change that. I wonder what you guys would have to say. Tweet us at Pick6Pod. Let us know what you think. We continue on to New York, and specifically the Giants, where Dave Gettleman has been diagnosed with lymphoma and uh that's that's serious stuff obviously we wish dave the very best in uh in his treatments and in his recovery but there are some franchises in the nfl where i would say that this could be a bit of a distraction and i don't think this is going to hurt the giants one bit the fact that the drafts over has helped but dave gettleman has always had a good support staff whether it was in carolina or in new york and, and I think the leadership, uh, as far as ownership goes in New York with the Mara family, I think they'll help keep everybody's eye on the ball. Uh, did a quick Google search for lymphoma just to see what it was and how serious it is. Here's what I found from healthline.com. The one year survival rate for all patients diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma is about 92%. The five year survival rate is about 86%. Uh, I, I'm sure that if, if Mr. Gettleman heard those percentages, he'd like his odds. He's a tough guy, and I think he's going to be able to come through with flying colors. And probably by the 2019 draft, Dave Gettleman will be doing his thing for the Giants again. Uh, moving down I-95 to Philadelphia, Doug Peterson says Carson Wentz has been cleared for seven-on-seven seven drills. And you remember Carson Wentz tore his ACL late last season. How could you forget Nick Foles was the Super Bowl MVP? And Carson Wentz has apparently recovered well enough to take part in just about everything except team drills for the Eagles minicamp. Now, Philadelphia has been in the news for all sorts of interesting reasons, but I think that this is a, this is a good thing, obviously. And Philadelphia has their quarterback of the future with Carson Wentz. I'm 
pretty sure they would have loved to have him play all throughout the playoffs. I, I felt all along this offseason that maybe Carson wouldn't quite be ready, and for week one, Nick Foles would be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you, you think about the pop and circumstance that goes into week one and that kickoff game, and you know it's going to be the Falcons at the Eagles. And you know that Nick Foles, you just, you could almost see it in your mind's eye, right? Where they're, the, the Eagles come out of the tunnel, the crowd's going crazy, and who's running with the Super Bowl trophy in his hand on the field but Nick Foles, and then he starts the game, and he's the one that beats Atlanta in week one. And then a couple of weeks later, Carson Wentz comes back. Well, it looks like that crazy, weird, I don't want to say it's a dream, but thought that I had in my head, it's not going to come true. It looks like Carson Wentz is going to be ready to go, and I think that's great for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think it's great for Nick Foles too because Foles doesn't have that uh, – I don't know if there's such a thing as pressure anymore with him. He just played a Super Bowl and, and beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, but he won't have to go out and, and play uh, for the first couple of weeks and then get benched by Carson Wentz. It looks like that will happen before the season even starts. I think Philadelphia's offense is in great shape, and Carson Wentz should be outstanding this year. We also got news out of San Francisco that Reuben Foster is on probation in his weapons case. He pleaded no contest uh, to, I believe it was a misdemeanor, for having a bunch of guns. He has to forfeit those guns, and he could still face a league suspension. I, I would imagine the 49ers are still going to be mostly happy with this development, seeing as how that they, you know, he, he was he was charged with domestic violence. He was cleared of that. He's not going to go to trial for that. And now he can go back to contributing for the 49ers, which, you know, if the, if the team had their druthers, they'd like to have a lot of good players. And Reuben Foster on the field is a very good NFL linebacker. And even if he misses a couple games, I would imagine that that 49ers defense would be better with Reuben Foster than without. They might have been preparing for, for some games without him anyway. Now they can go ahead and, and, pencil him in for most of the year, if not all the year. We will keep tabs on his status moving forward. Uh, if you've ever watched a football game on TV or an NCAA tournament game, you've seen Tracy Wolfson. She's the lead sideline reporter for CBS Sports, and she's part of an Emmy-winning team. CBS Sports won an Emmy for outstanding playoff coverage for the AFC Championship game. She's a wife, a mother, a daughter. And she's also a frozen yogurt connoisseur. Hello, Tracy. <laughs> hey, Dave. How are you? I'm doing good. It's great to talk to you. Uh, so the frozen yogurt thing, uh, Tracy had spent a year being a guest on Fantasy Football Today on CBS Sports. Uh, I'm with my wife and kids. We just finished having dinner. We're in a frozen yogurt place in South Florida. And who walks in? But but you walk in with your <laughs> husband, David, and your three sons. Uh, I introduced myself to you. We uh, had a nice chat. It was great to meet you in person after talking so many times on the show. And uh, and and I learned that coffee, frozen yogurt, is is kind of your thing. It it is kind of my thing. That and like the original tart. And the key is I put some walnuts on the bottom and then I put the frozen yogurt on and then I put the dark chocolate chips and some graham crackers mushed up. And that's kind of how I go. Okay. That's how I roll. I'm, I'm going to try that next time I, uh, I hit 16 handles here in South Florida. Although I got to tell you, I found another place that might even be better than that, but we'll get to that later. Do you have any funny stories about running into a player or a coach when you're out with your family or whatever? You know, I, I don't get 
with my family, it's kind of difficult in terms of going out in a way, and I never really run into anyone. I, I've run into coaches and when I've been on the road for work, but other coaches that you wouldn't expect. You know, Jason Garrett has come out to the Final Four when Tony was still playing, and uh, we've hung out with them. But uh, rarely the only one actually was John Beeline, who, hmm. you know, I went to Michigan. So a John Beeline sighting in my family is huge. And we were at the airport with two other families headed to on our ski vacation, and there is John Beeline in the airport. Uh, my kids were just ecstatic, uh, had to take pictures like a typical fan. And that's a weird thing because, you know, as a broadcaster or working in this business, you never ask for pictures or autographs or any of that stuff. And it's a little uncomfortable. But when you're with your family, that's what they want. You know, they want the autographs. They want the pictures. So there's that weird fine line. But uh, John Beeline's the best. So and he was he was very accommodating. I, yeah, I would guess that coach was really cool with that type of thing. By the way, Dave, I have a bone to pick with the fantasy football show that you mentioned. Oh, okay. If you remember correctly, we did – the um, we had a fantasy football contest, right? So we had a whole league. I remember all this. Of us, yes, we did. And I won. I, I won remember you. League. Yes, you did. And I bet and you no never one got a trophy. Me back the next season. We didn't. We didn't even do that league again. The following yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. If you want in a league, Tracy, I can get you in a league. I <laughs> now you've got to tell me what kind of do you want a, a typical league with you know you me I'm I'm going to get in a league with you if you're going to get in a league and you know eight other people in CBS or or do you want to get into our office league? Hold on, we have an office league of twenty plus teams and crazy rules, different scoring because there's twenty, twenty two, twenty four teams in the league. But the winner gets this right. huge trophy. The trophy must weigh twenty five pounds, and uh, you know it, it. It's it's it. It is a real feather in the cap of whoever wins the league. So I'll, all I'll, right. I'll, well, I'll think about it. I've got a lot of uh, now. I've got three kids all entering leagues. I got to manage. I got to manage my husband's <laughs> league because he's terrible at drafting. I got to fix it every year. They put uh, it all so on we'll you. See. I'm just busting a chop. So so they they put it all on you. When it when it comes to setting a lineup, basically, yes, that's uh -huh. the problem. They like drafting, and they like watching and rooting for their team, but they don't like setting the lineups. Like I have any time, by the way, to set the lineup. I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm, about, I'm like in the, on the air half the time. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, I, I could just imagine you're the, the game's about to kick off, maybe 20 minutes before kickoff, and you're getting a text from from one of your sons saying, "Oh no, that." Do, oh, do, do I start Devontae you know Adams other, or? The problem is, I'll tell you, sometimes we have too much information. And so you do things because you think that, you know, you know more than the average fan because you're working in this business or you talked to a coach last night or whatever it might be. Or you did a preseason game and you were like, oh, the, you know, the Titans are going to be unbelievable. Their defense looks great. I'm going to draft their defense, you know, just from one preseason game that you talk Sure, sure. You know, or someone tells you, you know what, I'm really liking this kid in practice. He's going to get more reps. You know, blah, 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 it's hurt. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm drafting this guy. It always backfires on me. Well, always. I have so, experiences like help. that, too. I, I, I once had Jay Gruden tell me that Tyler Eifert's going to be the second coming of Kellen Winslow. 
And so I told everybody, <laughs> go draft Tyler Eifert. And, you know, it took a couple of years, but Eifert eventually got there, but it didn't help anybody that drafted Eifert in his rookie year. Now, now I think, I think what you do is, uh, uh, and listen, being a fantasy writer, it's, it's a fun gig, but what you do has to be among the coolest gigs in sports because you're on the field, you're on the court, you see things happen in front of you that you can report on, uh, you see things happen in front of you that you can't report on, uh, you get to break the news. Uh, you are sometimes literally the first person to know about an injury or a quarterback change. And I know you wanted to report on sports when you went to Michigan, but this whole sideline deal, when did you know that that's where you wanted to be? To be honest, I was about eight years old. I was watching sports, like, just hiding in my room. Uh, I had a TV. I was very fortunate. My parents gave me a TV, and I would be up all night watching sports. George Michael's Sports Machine was my go-to because <laughs> it was the only way we were able to get highlights. Yep. And I remember watching the NBA Inside Stuff, and it was Ahmad Rashad and Willow Bay. And I was like, you know what? I know sports. I love sports. And you know, I could do what Willow does, and that's kind of when I decided I wanted to be a sports reporter and wanted to be on the sidelines and kind of made every move in my, you know, path to get there. I didn't know if it would ever work out, and, of course, I knew no matter what I would stay in sports. But, um, you know, luck plays a big part of it, perseverance and being in the right place at the right time and, um, you know, and getting those internships and, and stuff like that. So yep. uh, I'm very fortunate. But, yes, that's that was been a dream of mine since I was a kid. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but when, when CBS got the NFL package back, um, I, I want to say 15 or so years ago, they didn't have signed line reporters for a while, right? Yes. They really went away from it for a while. Um, after Bonnie Bernstein and Armin Kintayan, Armin Kintayan left, uh, they kind of felt they didn't need it, and they would use Steve Tasker or Solomon Wilcox on the sidelines during the bigger games, the playoffs, the Super Bowls, uh, games like that. And it really wasn't until basically Thursday night football, in a sense, where they were like, okay, we're going to start bringing back sideline reporters. And so uh, that was a big deal for me. And I said, you know, as, and then I was working college at the time, which you can't get any better than the SEC and being on the sidelines for those games. But when the NFL comes calling and an opportunity like that comes calling, you got to take advantage of it because you know that if you pass that up, someone else gets the job and you may never have that opportunity again. And it's kind of the thing you always dream of, you know, it is King and it is the NFL. And so, um, you know, I jumped at that opportunity. But, yeah, for a long time we didn't have that. And same with the, the Final Four and, and March Madness. I, I worked March Madness, actually, when I worked for ESPN for a year. I was one of the early round reporters, and they kind of did away with that also for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now management has changed a little bit. And um, our president, our co-president, Dave Burson, who works along with uh, Sean McManus, um he comes from ESPN. I think, you know, he has a, a different viewpoint maybe that, you know, it's necessary. And I think you're seeing more and more sideline reporters on CBS than we've ever had before. We keep actually adding. We had three on the NFL and then, you know, certain games if we pop up another one. And I don't know what, you know, this year entails. But, yeah, it's, it's becoming um, just a little bit bigger at CBS than than it has been in the past. I don't know if I can recall the last time I watched a game on TV that didn't have a sideline reporter. 
Like obviously, if you watch that our happened, but... smaller CBS NFL games, you will not see a sideline reporter. They don't. They typically. But that's just CBS. Right. Fox has one at pretty much every game. Right. Every game. Yeah. Yes. All right. I'll, we'll have to get on that. I'll. I'll have to. Uh, you know. <laughs> Send an email Maybe to Mr. An McManus. You never know. Well, no, I, I I love fantasy football. I don't wanna I don't wanna leave that. Although <laughs> although there are there are some cool things about what you do and and what you're privy to that I would love to to be a part of, like production meetings, for example. Yeah. Like this, to me, this has to be one of the coolest things because you're meeting with the coaches and some of the players just before. Not right before kickoff, but the day before the game, two days before the game, you get to go to some practices too, right? Yeah, we go to practice and we meet with um, the home and away team. Friday, we meet with the home team. Saturday, we meet with the away team. And, um, you know, you're usually meeting with the coach and the coordinators and then at least, you know, three or four players, one being the quarterback, you know, one, you know, star offensive player and usually one on defense. And then maybe a leader if you want to throw someone else in or if there's a specific storyline you're you're thinking about. But, you know, you you do get a lot of information. It really depends on the coach. It depends on the team. It depends on the player you're talking to. And we've learned over the years who are, you know, the good guys to have in the room. You know, who will mm-hmm. give you information, who won't give you information, uh, which coaches will or will not. You know, we go over lineups with them the night before. So we basically know who's active and who's inactive before, you know, that comes out. We know, like you said, I mean, we know who will play and won't play. And, you know, we know maybe if there's a quarterback change or how long the leash is or not. And so it's, but, you know, one of the jobs that we have is to keep all this information to ourselves. We're not actually in the business of breaking news. There's people who do that, you know, Mm -hmm. and whether it's an Adam Schefter or for us, it's a Jason Lockenflora. And that's just not our job. And there's every so often where, they will say, okay, you know, you could report this and we'll be one of the first to report it because maybe they're going to put out an announcement or something. But, um, but as soon as, uh, you know, once that comes out, then we can talk about it. But we really have to talk about it. Um, you know, we really have to keep that information to ourselves because there's that fine line and there's a trust factor. Right. And I've noticed in the past, you know, Mike Krzyzewski is a perfect example. He came up to me recently. I actually saw him in an event, and he's like, you are one of the most trustworthy people we've been around, you and your crew. And that means a lot, because then they'll give you that information. And once the broadcast kicks off, well, then we can talk about it all we want. Right. So it's, it's really hard. I'm not going uh, to lie, because, you know, especially with Twitter these days and access to information, and we're all like, you want to be the one to break the news, but you can't because that will just ruin your relationship with these teams and these players. And you can't put a price on your integrity because if you blow exactly. it one time, especially in the NFL, everybody knows each other. So, you know, if, if, you, if you blow it one time, all these coaches are going to start talking to other coaches and saying they won't just say, hey, you can't trust Tracy Wolfson. They'll say you can't trust CBS, and, and that would be a problem no across the board. So. Good for you for, for zipping the lip. So the production meetings might be the most fun part about it, but what else do you have to do on a weekly basis to get ready uh, for, for your game on Saturday or Sunday or Thursday, how it used to be, but now clearly Sundays? Right. 
Well, this this year obviously will be a little different and a little easier in that regard because we will not have Thursday night football. Usually we would leave Wednesday morning, Tuesday night for Thursday night football, mm-hmm. and you start preparation differently. Um, but for, for just Sunday games, basically I get home Sunday night, Monday morning, depending. And, um, you know, I take Monday and just kind of chill, let everything soak in. You still have games, you know, you still have a game going on Monday night. Uh, nothing new is really out from those games. You know what game's coming up, so you kind of watch the old, you know, the games that happen over the weekend. If I have a Patriots game, I'll watch their game because um, I probably didn't see them that weekend because I was working. So you go back and you kind of recount what happened over the weekend. And then usually Tuesdays when I start kind of uh, my preparation, I will, you know, I, I go online a lot. I follow every beat reporter for both teams uh, on Twitter. And I save articles, you know, throughout the season, actually, because you never know when when you're going to be covering one of these teams or needing to talk about one of these players. So I use this app, actually, which is amazing if no one knows about it, called Save to Pocket. And you basically just save any article you read, and it goes right into your phone in this app. And you can pull it up anytime, Wi-Fi or not. So on the plane, it is extremely useful for me. Or when I'm starting to do my work for a team that maybe I – you know, hadn't seen yet, but I saved all these articles in the past. And so Tuesday and Wednesday, I start doing that, um, you know, thir- and Thursday, basically. And you make some phone calls, dig on some stories. And then Friday, you know, morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, we leave. We meet with the home team. We go to practice, uh, usually have a, a big dinner. Friday night's fun because you're not really preparing for the game the next day. So you can chill out a little bit, have mm-hmm. a good group dinner. And then um, – Saturday, wake up again. You're you're going to uh, you don't have a practice because the teams are flying in. So get morning, you know, morning to prepare, and then you meet with the teams uh, that are coming in. And then Sunday morning, you're up and you're out. You know, we have a production meeting Saturday night, and that's really where we we never script anything. The only thing that's really scripted is the opening to the game, right? What are the storylines? Mm-hmm. What are Tony and Jim going to talk about to kick things off? What am I going to add? Is it going to be an injury? Is it going to be added to something else? Is it going to be the anthem situation, which we know is going to be talked about to start this season once again? Um, so, you know, we, we basically prepare. What are we going to do to start kick off this game? And also, what are the storylines we want to follow throughout the game? What, you know, video do we have to support it? Who have I spoken to? that I can add things to what might be my storylines going into the game. That's what we talk about in our production meeting. We go over some graphics, really important keynotes. And then basically it's all kick off and react, right? I mean, you can't really plan for the game. You can plan for the open, but once things kick off, you have to react. So it's not and like, that's you know, how it goes. Yeah. Sorry for, for interrupting, but it's not like you roll right yeah. out of bed and you get some makeup on and you grab, you know, one of those little boxes of cereal that the hotel has on your way out, and you just show up and say, where do I stand? Uh, it's great that no, you put in no. so much work. Yeah, it, it's constant work. I mean, right when I get out there, I'm out there four hours before game time, basically, and you're working from the second you're there. I don't get makeup, by the way, and I don't get hair. So I am doing all <laughs> that on my own. Um, so you try and just put yourself together, but then you get out there, and it's all just, yeah, it's read and react and, you know, talk to people out on the field and, get more information and find out the inactive actors, talk to a player who might be injured and where he is, you know, watch the field conditions, um, the weather, the kicking game, 
talk to an offensive defensive coordinator, maybe talk to the running backs coach, you know, on the field before is really where you can get a lot of your fresh information. And then you can also say, you know, I spoke to him and that goes a lot further than saying I read in the paper this week Mm -hmm. that blah, 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 did this. So um, that's where you can back up a lot of your information and get your own, your own stories and and further things. So um, that's kind of how it is. And then you react. And I always say my job is the eyes and the ears on the field. And I am getting what Jim and Tony can't get in the booth. And it's the same for basketball. So, you know, they can tell stories. That's easy, right? I mean, there's stories to tell you can tell. But what can I add that kind of relates to the field? And what am I seeing down there that they're not seeing? And what am I hearing down there that they're not hearing? So that's kind of my role, and that's how I view it. So what kind of stuff do you actually see like just you know, in general maybe it, some it stuff could that be doesn't something make going it. on yeah going on in the huddle it could be injuries it could be you know interactions between players it could be there you know there's oakland there was a, a like a fight between players on the sideline it could be something that happened on the field it could be jabbing and talking to back to each other it could be something the official is doing it could be the headsets are down it could be the tablets are not working. You know, there's so many different things that you can see down there. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes nothing's going on. And, you know, your producer's like, Tracy, got anything? You're like, no, I really got nothing. Hmm. You know, and I'm not going to make anything up because I'm not about, you know, I need to be on 10 times a game. That's, you know, I, I've been in this business long enough that sometimes you'll be on a lot and sometimes you won't. And that's okay. It all evens itself out and you just got to do your job. And, um, you know, with the injuries, obviously, you get on a lot more. But there's some times where there's just not, it's just a really good game, you know. And, oh, by the way, also, you don't want to interrupt a really good game. The point is the viewers want to watch the game. You know, I'm here to add information, but they're not there to watch me. They're there to watch the game. And so unless it's, you know, out of control or a blowout, rarely will you see me do these, you know, long-winded stories or something like that. Because I, I actually don't believe in it. Unless it's relevant to the game uh, at hand um, or the game's out of whack, there's no reason, you know, to tell those stories because Jim is a great storyteller and he can tell those stories from the booth. And it's incredible. You probably have to have one or two of those stories ready to go. and You do. And you might not even get the chance to tell either one of them because the game is good or because of – you know, whatever reason. Um, so that's usually what happens. I always prepare at least four stories for each team. Um, and that's kind of how I go in and I might get more. I might have more. I might have less going in, you know, we also see a team six times and you're like, okay, there's nothing, there's no new fresh information mm-hmm. that we can, you know, we can give. And you're right. Sometimes those will work and they'll play into it. Sometimes you have a story and Jim said something and you're like, Oh my God, I can add. That's perfect. But sometimes it just doesn't go in that direction. I know that you're always preparing for football season, and that's that's what we're all doing right now during the NFL offseason. But I, I didn't want to let you go without asking you if if you could name a team that you think could bounce back this year. Like, for me, it's the Texans. And I'm just curious if, if you think them. Or, that's a team that I'm really looking forward to seeing. We had them a lot a few years back. We didn't really We didn't have them at all last year. Um, and so, or at least my crew. So I'm looking forward. I think they're a team certainly to watch this season. Anybody taking a step back? Do you have you think that maybe anybody overachieved? 
Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think that um, I'm going to be interested to see the Patriots this year. I don't, I, you know, you get there's you're always like, oh, they're shooing, they're shooing, they're shooing, but they're one injury, you know, away with Tom Brady. You know, he gets hurt, and they're one injury away from you know what next. And um, you know, there's a lot of that surrounding stuff, and how does that all play into it? And they lost a lot of pieces, mm-hmm. and we know how fantastic and amazing Belichick is, and Bob Kraft is at, at rebuilding and finding guys and plugging them in, and that's what they're so good at, and what what makes them so good. But I'm going to be very interested to see, and we will have a lot of their games. I think our first two games of the season, um, we have the Patriots, and so I'm going to be interested to see um, how they how they return this season. Just to tie in an SEC slash Patriots connection, uh, keep an eye on Sony Michelle. That's the rookie running back that yeah. they drafted, and I got I have a funny feeling that they're going to be a little bit more running back centric Run- this year. I agree. Yeah. And not using running back by committee like they've used in the past. Uh, they could still do that, but I, I, I could see them giving a little more work to the running backs. And this will sound crazy, but a little less for Tom. And part of it could be because yeah. I just, I think their division is so weak. Like, like one of the, one of the teams that I'm very skeptical of repeating their success from last year is Buffalo because they've changed quarterbacks. Um, they, I believe they're changing offensive systems. Uh, their offensive line, three-fifths of their starters are gone. I'm not sure if Buffalo can repeat as a playoff team. In fact, I, I'd say that there's almost no chance that they do it. And so I, I think New England, just by virtue of six games where they're taking on some of the softer defenses in the league, I think that they're going to end up killing the clock with the run more often than they have in the couple of years past. We'll see if that's... I think uh, you, could, you could be totally right. And, I mean, look, we're, we know that they'll make the playoffs because of their division, but that's kind of not what you expect out of the Patriots, right? You know they're going to make the playoff, or you assume it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm a Jets fan, by the way, so um, <laughs> I'm sorry. For a, better, a better season. But, um, you know, I, but I agree with Buffalo. The only thing is Buffalo was still a surprise to make the playoffs, so they kind of backed their way in, in a sense. Sure. I mean, and I, I like what Sean, McD- Sean um, McDermott is doing over there. And so... Um, but I, I don't know. I don't. I think you're you're correct in Buffalo. And will they repeat? Probably not. Will they make the playoffs? But I, I wasn't. I don't know. That last spot that you know they got in was it was weird the way that finished that season finished off. Uh, I agree. It was definitely crazy. But that's the NFL, and it, that unpredictability factor makes it uh, the, the 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 greatest sport on TV. And and you're part of the reason why. CBS has so much success with it. Thank you so much for coming on with us, Tracy. Everybody, you can follow Tracy on Twitter at Tracy Wolfson, all one word. And uh, we'll see you on TV real soon. Appreciate it. Anytime, Dave. Thanks, Tracy. All right, that was cool. Hopefully you guys learned a lot. Very fun, very insightful with Tracy Wolfson. We'll be back tomorrow talking ball with Jason LaConfora, NFL insider for CBS Sports. What's he hearing? as many camps take place around the league this week and next week. Tracy Wilson, thank you so much for joining us at Tracy Wilson on Twitter. I'm Dave Richard at Dave Richard on Twitter. And don't forget, follow the Pick 6 podcast on Twitter at Pick 6 Pod. Download and subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. For Tracy and producer Eric DiBerardinas, I'm Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out.